0: Test your luck in the
1: shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather.
0: Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. we were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Fire Talk Radio. Teaching the unfiltered word of God with the anointing of his spirit.
0: With subject on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny.
1: Hey, this is Adam Grigsby. I'm here with Deborah Lacewell, and welcome to another episode of Fire Talk Radio. Um, had some difficulties tonight, uh, but we're working through and, uh and unfortunately, Frank Sumrall was not able to be on tonight. Uh, but the good news is that uh, the Holy Ghost will be here tonight. The anointing of God will be here tonight. So um, uh, we're, we felt to do another episode uh, on the fire of God. Obviously, it's an important topic. Um, if you read out throughout the entire Bible, it's just amazing to me as I was studying how much God does with the subject of fire. Everything from our purification to our sa- you know, our sanctification, um, everything from God, when he's going to change the he- the earth, it's going to be by fire. He changes us by fire. You name it, it's by fire um you know it's just it's interesting, you know when I was studying what came to me was is that you know many many times with uh when you with like meat, for example, um most meat isn't meant to be consumed raw it's it's considered healthy. If you try to go to a restaurant and consume raw meat, there's always a warning there, but when you take meat and you put it in the fire and cook it, then it goes from being possibly unhealthy to healthy and beneficial, so in the same way, for us to be used by by God, we have to go through the fire. You know, um at our church, you know, our pastor was talking about these people that, you know, it's they're more they're more of a third world country and they cook everything with fire. They don't use like stoves and microwaves and such. And they had a song when people are out when people are being touched by God, by the fire of God, where it says, Cook 'em, Jesus, cook 'em. You know, and that's really, you know, however you want to phrase it, but that's what we should be praying. We should say, God, just keep keep putting us, God, keep touching us with your fire. We want to be used, but we want to fulfill the call of God in our lives. But unfortunately, that, you know, that all, that's going to mean sometimes going through some things we don't want to go through. But we have to understand that we're pilgrims on this earth, and we're just passing through. So we're not here uh, for a pleasure cruise. We're here to do whatever it takes to fulfill the call of God in our lives.
0: Yes, exactly, and we're very happy to be doing another show about the fire of God. My goodness, who uh, one of my favorite topics, the fire of God, and and how how wonderful it is, and how it can change us, and empower us, equip us, and purge us, and cleanse us, and just burn all the dross out. And there's just so many wonderful things about the fire of God and so many different aspects. And there may be one or two verses that are the same from last week from part one, but that's okay because there are different aspects of it. So and uh we're just really excited, I'm really excited to uh to be doing to be doing this show, uh, with Adam and I know Adam's excited. And um so we're really, really happy Adam.
1: Amen. And, amen. Absolutely. And, you know, I know in my own life, um, if it wasn't for the fire of God, you know, I wouldn't even be here. Um, you know, we're, we're blessed to come from a ministry, which is Revival Ministries International, which, you know, they're all about the fire of God, because, you know, the, the, this world will not be touched, nothing will be touched. If God always operates with fire, or, or then it's safe to say, then we're going to need the fire to be able to operate. You know, it's only by the fire of God that we can actually fulfill our calls, shake the nations, reach the lost. Um, for far too long, you know, we've had a lot of dead Christians and a lot of dead churches trying to go out and do the works of God, and unfortunately, that's why the nations haven't been reached. But we're entering into a time begin to revive His church, and God's going to begin to purge His church, and God, and He's even in process now with the fire of God, and we're entering that time when finally. The, the the glorified saints will be that will be able to have what it takes to shake the nations. It's amazing to me that you know the early the early apostles they were full of the fire of God. Without technology, without even bicycles, they were able to shake the entire world around them. You know, but yet um, yet are, we have like far more professing Christians are now than we were back then, and yet even with all of our technology and everything we still haven't shaken the world like we need to why because unfortunately the devil has attacked the fire of god in the church why because he knows that without the fire of god they can't accomplish their purpose the devil knows that once the nations are reached, that you know his judgment is soon. So obviously, he's trying to delay that as much as possible and keep people from hearing. He wants to take as many people to hell with him as possible. So tonight we're going to be discussing a lot of different aspects of the fire, of God. Everything from God's purifying fire, God's refining fire, God's empowering fire, and even the fire of God's judgment, which obviously we don't want that. Uh, real fast here, I'm going to read. I'm going to read through a few scriptures. And in this is a. Um, revelations 318 this is jesus talking to the church in laodicea and i want you to listen closely to what he says to them he's saying to them i counsel you to buy of me gold refined by fire that you may become rich and white garments that you might clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be manifest, and I salve to anoint your eyes that you might see. Now, I want to go ahead, I'm going to actually read the preceding scriptures to understand exactly the context of why, why he's saying that, because there's an amazing contrast here. Basically what's what's saying here is Jesus telling a church that has become lukewarm and complacent. Now, why have they become lukewarm and complacent? Well, we're going to go ahead and read that. He says, because you are lukewarm, this is uh, Revelations 3, 16, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, here we go, I am rich and have gotten riches and have no need of anything, you know not that you are wretched, miserable, and poor and blind and naked. So basically he's telling a church that has become complacent their material wealth. And again, we just want to emphasize we believe in prosperity. We just don't believe in letting the prosperity keep you away from God. We don't believe in making an idol out of the money. The money is there to be used for the gospel. Um, but we, but the, he's telling them that their, their riches have lulled them into a state of complacency. But then he contrasts and says, instead, I counsel you to buy me gold or fine in the fire that you might become rich. These people were already financially rich but not in Jesus' eyes because they had become lukewarm. He says, I want you to come and buy from me this gold this the, this running the fire that, may come, that you might become rich and white garments that you might clothe yourself that the shame of your nakedness may not be manifest. You know, so without the fire of God, we basically, in God's eyes, you know, we're poor, we're blind, we're naked, we really have nothing. Our true spiritual condition, no matter how much we might look to others, is actually very poor. So should we, we should be earnestly be drawing near to God why, that we might be truly rich, because the, world, the riches of this world are here for a purpose. It's just to be used for God's purposes, but after that, we can't take it with us. The only thing we can take with us is souls. And, the, and there's no reason for the, those souls to want any part of Christianity unless they see a difference, and that difference comes from the fire of God.
0: Right, exactly, and you know, i was, um thinking about in that in that uh, how how in that verse um, you were talking about that, and you know, I was, uh, I was thinking about how God just I don't know His fire is is uh, God and His fire and the fire of God empowers us to be a witness as well, uh, like in the book of Acts on the on day of Pentecost, a lot of people were empowered. The, um, there are 120 people in the upper room who were empowered to be a witness uh, for Jesus and to tell the ends of the world about him. And so I'm going to go to the book of Acts, and, and and that's A-C-T-S. I might not pronounce it correctly, but it's there. And it's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were a lot of, a lot of people... Um, that were there during this time, that were passing through, because they had—I uh, think it was one of the feasts or something going on. Adam, wasn't the feast it? Feast of Pentecost. Uh, the Feast of Pentecost.
1: The Pentecost is an actual feast, and that's what's really happening. If you're if you're referring to when they're being touched, but the the feast that was happening during the time of that Pentecost was actually a feast. So Pentecost, we re- we see it as the fire of God, but Pentecost was actually a Jewish feast. So that's what that's why you see Pentecost talked about in the Bible. It's actually a Jewish feast, and that's what was happening there.
0: Right, because there are people from all over. So these people came from all over mm-hmm. yes. to celebrate those, because basically there are a lot of different nationalities in mm-hmm. here, lots of them. I can't describe mm-hmm. or butcher their names, but yeah. they were from, and we're all working on that. I'm working on pronunciation, but there's a lot of people from, from all these different places. Unless you can read it better than I can, and then I'll pick up on the next
1: part. It says, this is a... Um and this here is in verse 5. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound, which, are, which is referring to the mighty rushing wind, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these who, all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, these dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia." Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them. We hear them speaking in our tongues. The wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "Whatever could this mean?"
0: Others mocking said they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, "Men of Judea and all." You dwell in Jerusalem, let, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, which, by the way, was nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he talks a lot in here about that and and how um you know, because all these men they they heard all the the miraculous wonders in there. And three thousand people end up getting saved out of this and, and the church is added to daily and then like five thousand more. And because it's a long a long, um chap well, it's a bit of a long chapter, so you can always come back and refer to Acts two and, and check it out for yourself and read it. Um so that's what, you know, I think about the day of Pentecost was 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 you know the day that you know that, that even though you said it was a feast that that they celebrated, um, that it was. It, it's also a, now we celebrate in a different way because we're celebrating when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Um, because you know, 120 of them were were in the room. My pastor says this a lot. He says, "Can you imagine if the people got impatient and wanted to go? You know, find out what was happening with their." Their camel, or something like that, or, or you know, they had to go to the bathroom, or they, you know, they just got tired of waiting, or they were hungry, they just you know got fed up of waiting. Suppose there were more in the upper room. I mean, Jesus had a big ministry, and then he get up and leave. Oh, right at nine o'clock, and then the fire falls. You know, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, the fire, and everything like that. I mean, that hadn't been uh, a bummer. It's like if you get up and go to the toilet in one of our services, you, you have to. I you had to literally ask for the Holy Spirit when you go to the bathroom so you don't miss something. Sure. Because I know for myself, it might sound crazy, but if you go to our church or you know anything where, where the Holy Ghost is moving in the fire, you don't want to miss anything. So it's like, Lord, let me go at the right time. Let it just be. Because it, it can happen in the middle of announcements. You never even know what's going to happen next. And that's one of the wonderful things about the Holy Spirit. Besides everything, is he's so unpredictable. He's the, Suddenly, he's an on-time God. But he does things his way and and uh, you know, he's he's good and, and he's great and and he's awesome and like I said, I love the fire of God and and um in in Luke in Luke eleven, eleven it says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And also in Luke 24:49, this is where he's, uh, he says, "I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high." And let's hope that, like we were saying, some of those people didn't leave. And also in, in this in Matthew 3:11, it says, "I will baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I." These sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know my, um, oh, and then in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about this and how, I just, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's just the fire of God and and um. His is wonderful. He's just so wonderful, and how he comes to empower, and he comes to to just give us that power to be a witness, and we have spiritual growth through him, and uh, so, and on all of that.
1: Amen. You know, and in, in Jeremiah, this is uh, Jeremiah 20, verse 8. And uh, basically, I'm giving you some context here. Uh, I'm actually going to start in verse 7. Uh, Jehovah, thou hast persuaded me, and I was persuaded thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I'm becoming a laughingstock all day, all day and everyone mocks me. For as often as I speak, I cry out, I cry violence and destruction, because the word of Jehovah has made a reproach unto me, a derision, all the day. And if I say I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, then there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with forbearing, and I cannot contain. You know, so basically what's happening in Jeremiah is, you know, sometimes people refer to him as the weeping prophet, because, you know, like all the prophets, he he really went through some stuff. But Jeremiah is saying, you know, I'm tired of being mocked every single day, all day long. I'm tired of being persecuted. I'm turning it's like it seems like the more I preach, the more I tell people what God's telling, the worse it gets for me. But then so he would finally say, say, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. But because of the fire of God in him it would literally, it would literally consume him to the where he could not but speak anymore. So, and that's really why we need the fire, because the fire enables us to endure trials, it enables us to endure persecutions, it enables us to endure things that we would normally not endure. You know, because I mean, the Bible says that all the God, those that live Godly in Christ will be persecuted. So, we're talking about right now the empowering fire of God. If you were, if you're going to go through persecution, baby, you better have the fire. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's key. It's crucial and it's vital. And well, in regards to getting the fire, you know, Deborah was talking about people on the day of Pentecost that, you know, they probably went to go check their camel or something and go to the restroom, you know, but you know, whatever the case may be, but in the midst of their, and they weren't just waiting, they were actually seeking God. They were, they were, they were, they were up there actually just, they were actually seeking the Lord and there's like you know God, you said you were going to come, so we're just going to we're just going to press in. And chances are, you know, there probably were more people there on that day because Deborah's right. Jesus had a big ministry, but they begin to dwindle in number. But those that stayed patient, those that stayed waiting, those that did like Jeremiah 29 says that if you seek me, you'll find me when you search me with all your heart. They sought the Lord, and suddenly, you know, then the Holy Ghost came. You know, so what we have to be careful for is if we're pursuing God for more of his presence, more of his fire, that we don't give up and stop short and say, well, you know, I've been doing this. I have really been pressing in lately, but uh, you know, I mean, I just don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. So I'm just going to go ahead and stop. You will, you know, you can stop, you know, you can stop two, you know, two inches from hitting, from striking gold or from hitting water. And then all your previous work is nothing. So it's very, very crucial to keep going until the fire God comes.
0: Right. And and being persistent and tenacious and uh just no matter what, holding on to the, the horns of the altar and saying, I'm not gonna let go until you touch me no matter what no matter what, I'm not gonna let go. And Adam and I have been in in a uh, week long meetings and I've been in two meetings a day. I think you've been
1: in almost I was in all the night meetings, the morning meetings I was working during the day. But, yeah, we were in all all the meetings.
0: Right. We had a minister's conference this this week, and it was wonderful. The fire of God was was awesome, and his presence was glorious. And, you know, I was thinking about what you were saying, Adam, about how just waiting on God and, and just being persistent. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, it reads, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint so i think in in all of the waiting on that is very very important as well is to wait and seek him out because it may seem like he's not ever gonna ever gonna show up or or um you know so it may seem that way but he's he's gonna He's gonna show he's gonna show up, but we have to be persistent with
1: it. Amen. Now in Second Peter three ten it says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works therein shall be burned up. So everything again that God does with is with fire. And um and so in, in Second Chronicles seven one it says now when Solomon had made an end of praying the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house you know the Bible is very clear that we are supposed to be living sacrifices you know unto Him so. You know, when we when we when we come to God we need to come reverently, we need to come his way and we need to come diligently and pursue him. And as we and as we pursue him and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice and pursue him and say, God, you know, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, but I'm not going to give up until I find you and I'm not going to give up until you come and consume this sacrifice with your fire. And that's when that's when you'll get it. It doesn't come to casual seekers. It doesn't, you know, there is a, there's, you know, there's a, I read the scripture on judgment because it's like there is going to be a judgment coming, but we, if we judge ourselves by letting the fire of God touch us now and refine us now, then we won't have to face the judgment to come. So, because the Bible says judgment begins in the house of God and that's not necessarily a bad thing. We should, we should want God to judge us to come and not necessarily to like kill us, like in some cases, but the judgment I'm talking about is where God come and comes in and uses his fire to lift the impurities to the service to show us where we're really at, that he might lift those things out. That's what we should be pressing in for because it's, it'd be be really, it's really bad to like think that you're somewhere you're not. And then God comes and exposes it and you realize, Oh my gosh, this is where I really at. It's good if you're willing to repent and deal with it. But a lot of people, they want to try to hide things from God. But we have to understand that when that, when that kind of fire comes, it comes to reveal that God might heal us. And that's very, very important. So, um, you know, God and so we can we can't be scared of that. You know, we have to let the word of God just come and expose every area. The fire got come and expose every area of our lives, no matter how scary, no matter how much we might not want to deal with it, but you know, it's the only way we're gonna go forward in him and fulfill the full call. This is why the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. That really means that it's because few choose to follow. This is this isn't an easy process. Christianity isn't for, you know, wimps. I mean it's it's for people that are willing to go through whatever kind of difficulties, whatever kind of trials God has before them, again, I'll say it again, we are pilgrims. We are we are just passing through. We are here to be shaped into the image of Christ, fulfill our calls, and, and achieve our reward in heaven. If you're just here to have a comfortable life and be an American Christian, you're in a bad position because the fire you may experience may not be the fire you want on that day because heaven's... Heaven's for, those that, that, heaven's for those that choose to, to follow him, that choose to let, let the fire judge them here. So you're either judged here by the fire or you're judged there by the fire. I don't know about you, but I'm going to take here. Amen?
0: Right. I'd rather, even though it's not comfortable, I'd rather have the fire of God here than, than uh, either burning up what I thought I had done for the Lord on the day when we stand before him or hellfire or you know wood and stubble. I'd rather have the fire here even though it's not totally comfortable at all I mean because fire gets hot I mean it may sound really simple but it's true it's, it's hot hot and it can get very uncomfortable but the the uh, fire that that the fire of God that we have not only empowers us and equips us and purges us and purifies us it also protects us from our enemies so that as well and you know when you were talking about about um about the the being living about you know the sacrifice being a living sacrifice the only problem i've heard it often say with a living sacrifice is they tend to crawl off the altar mm-hmm. When things, you know, when the heat's turned up pretty much, when things are, things are hard and, you know, are they just going to stray or something like that, then it gets really, it gets really, uh, well, it's easy to crawl off because you're alive, you're not tied down and God's not going to override our will anyway. So um, he's not going to do that. Uh, He'd be a dictator if he overrode our will.
1: Amen. You know, and it's like it seems like the American church as a whole, I can't speak because I've never really uh, been to too many other countries, but I can say that the American church as a whole has been, unfortunately, especially over the last decade or so, been taught a gospel message of comfort and prosperity. And don't misunderstand me. Again, we believe in prosperity, and we believe God does comfort people, and we do believe God blesses people. But if you read most of the books that have come out, you know, within the last 10, 20 years, and it's ever-increasing. In the, in the Christian bookstores, it's fluff. It's very little scripture. It's like more motivational speaking. It doesn't, tell people about, it doesn't tell people about the fire of God. It doesn't tell people how to endure trials and tribulations. It tells people, basically, God wants you happy and, and everything's going to be okay. And, 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 and all that really does is set people up for a fall. You know because then they don 't understand why they begin why they 're going through things, and they have like you know preachers that tell that preach them peace and comfort and and if you just do what I do, then everything 's going to be just amazing for you but unfortunately it 's not like that if the apostles went through difficulties, if Paul talks about how he 'd been like shipwrecked beaten and left for dead i don 't know about you, but i haven 't been shipwrecked beaten and left for dead yet, so i haven 't begun to go through half of what he 's gone through. Yet even in some of the minor things that I feel like I've gone through, I've had people look at me and be like, Adam, why do you even stay with that? Why do you even do that? I mean, it's, that seems so difficult. Well and the answer is because God's put me here and I'm not leaving until he tells me otherwise, and that's really the key. We have to be guided by the Lord and be willing to stay go where he tells us to go, stay where he wants me to stay tell, wants us to stay. The big key is that you don't have to really seek out the trials. You don't have to really seek out those things. Trust me, if you're serving the Lord, he's you're going to be guided into them for the sake of your refining. If you read in the scriptures, you know, it says Jesus was driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. So right before Jesus, it's like so right before Jesus actually came out, came out with power and began to really start his ministry. The first thing that happened is he was driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to what? To go through, go through some temptations, to go through some attacks, to go through some fire, you know. And so in the same way, if we're going to fulfill our ministry, we have we'll have to go through the same. Right. You
0: know, we have to go through. We have to go through the trials. We have to go goes for everything that we need to go through and in, in all of that in order to come out as a tried like gold uh, in a fire and uh you know gold purified in the fire and so um you know with that in in all of that as well and so i was thinking about how um you know, like I was saying before, the the fire of God will protect us as well because in the uh in 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 the um desert they were I'm sorry, I'm really feeling the fire of God right now, I'm. you're gonna have to come over here.
1: <laughs> All right, well that's good that's good. Well that's good to hear. Um well, regarding the desert, I mean, the what she's about to, she's probably about to talk about in the desert was is that, you know, they were they were they were guided with a fire by night and a cloud by day and you know the desert's not an easy place to be, you know. They they were looking for a promised land, but they were in the middle of a desert. So the bottom line is before we get to the things that God's called us to do, we're gonna have to go through some things. And this is regarding that, this is a scripture. This is second Timothy two nineteen to twenty-three. It says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows those that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth, and to some honor and to some dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, how do we get purged? We purge with the fire of God. And I also want to emphasize, notice it says purge himself. So that means it's not all God doing it. I mean, we have to cooperate with it. I mean, there is, I mean, we have to cooperate. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So it's not just this message that's been preached where we just sit around and God just, you know, eat grapes and get fanned by angels and God does everything. We, you know, we have a cooperative effort to play in this whole thing. And um, it says that if any man purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. And then it says, flee also useful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call upon the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they gender strife. So basically he's talking about becoming, do you want to be, you know, like our pastor says, he says, you know, there's some there's some vessels in the house that are just, there, this, there, for whatever. I mean, an oil pan is there to catch oil. However, if you, if you took the high, high dollar expensive China that's used for like special occasions and you go out and start draining the oil into it, then it's probably not going to be well with the husband. So in the same way we want to be people that God uses for, for his tasks, for, for the things that, for things of honor rather than dishonor. And unfortunately that dishonor is going to, there's many vessels that are going to be, it's the the ultimate dishonor is going to be hell. And unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of professing believers that are going to hear, that are going to hear depart from me. I never knew you on that day. Why? Because they buy this, they, they buy this broad road, no fire message, but unfortunately that's not what Jesus preached. And I wish I could tell everyone that, um, that, you know, maybe this listening, maybe you're not a believer, whatever, but, that, man, if you just come to Jesus, everything's going to be amazing, and you're not going to go through anything, and all your problems are going to be solved. But unfortunately, what I see in the Bible is that many times people's problems, when they start to obey God, sometimes they get worse initially. But in the end, there's glorious victory. So it's really just all about, it's a matter, really, when it comes down, what enables you to endure the fire, Deborah, is the eternal perspective. You know, how do we get an eternal perspective? Well, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to know Jesus and let him lead us into having an eternal perspective I mean eternity itself could be its own show but just to give you a little glimpse of the eternal perspective that can enable you to endure the fire you know um, a great preacher said once he says imagine if the way you spent the next 24 hours would determine the way you spent the next 100 years everything about that 100 years where you live everything about it So let's go further. Let's say the way you spent the next 24 hours would determine the way you spent the next 1,000 years. Everything about that 1,000 years, where you live, your job, your position, everything about it is determined by that 24-hour period. When you try to think of it like that, even though it's hard to imagine, you'd be very careful how you spent that 24 hours. You wouldn't take it flippantly, but let's take it further. Let's say the way you spent the next 24 hours would determine the way you spent the next 1 million years. Everything about it is determined by this 24-hour period you'd be cautious with every second of that 24-hour period. However, it's nothing compared to what we're talking about because the Bible says life is a vapor. In other words, it's just poof and it's gone. The Bible's literally saying the way we spend this zero time will determine how we spend all of eternity. So we need to be very, very uh, cautious, the fact that we really heed the Lord and we follow him you know, through the fire. We follow him through wherever he takes us that we might fulfill our calls and have, and have an, the eternity that we want rather than the one that we get if we live for ourselves.
0: Right, also, you know, you're talking a lot of that, when we judge, you know, if we judge ourselves and examine ourselves when we're laying on our bed, I'm I'm not sure of the scripture right now, uh, but I'm giving you like a synopsis, but like when we're laying on on our beds and uh, whenever to judge our own hearts, and if we judge our own hearts, then we're not going to be, then God's, you know, God's not going to judge us in, you know, Forget the scripture, you may or may not know it, Adam, if you
1: and what the scripture's is saying is this is that if we judge ourselves then we'll not be judged. And so in short, it's what we're talking about this a lot of this. It's like if we allow through our relationship with God and through the word of God and through the fire of God, God with cooperative effort to deal with our issues now, then guess what? We're not gonna stand before him and be judged on judged for them on that day.
0: Right. And and also, um with with judging our own selves and and having the humility to to say, okay, God show me first. I myself am fully aware of my shortcomings. Um, nobody really has to point them out to me. Just like sinners are fully aware of their their sinning and that they're going to probably go to hell. They're they're fully aware of that. You know, if they don't get saved, basically is what I'm saying. They, they're fully aware of that. Just like I am fully aware of my shortcomings. So me in in and, and even though i know i have the shortcomings i still have to be humble enough to say to judge myself with with, with those with those shortcomings but also humble enough to ask and um trustful enough to ask the, the lord of the holy spirit to to shine his light in the areas of my heart that aren't very pretty and that need changing and be also willing to change because God's a gentleman and He's not gonna force himself on me or on you. So I you know, I am willing, I'm asking the Lord and the Holy Spirit to to, to you know, put his finger on it on, on the part, you know, and, and the parts of me that are not pleasing to him and that I need to change so that I have better character and more fruits of the spirit, you know, that I mean Uh, the fruits The fruits of the spirit that um, I'm developing the character there, and I am also um, developing those fruits, cultivating those fruits because the fruits are fruit is cultivated. You know, you don't just look at it one day and it's all of a sudden it's a it's a fruit that grow that grew off the tree it starts a lot of them start off as blossoms, beautiful flowers, but then they turn into fruit it's being cultivated and cultivating the ground of a heart and being willing and a participant in that process of submitting to the process but also being being a participant in the process, not crawling off the altar uh the living sacrifices that we are, and then as Adam was saying, you know, we we are, we have a part in that. I mean, we definitely have to do our part. I mean, I can sit here. Yes, the fire guy will burn out a lot of stuff in us, and and because that's what the fire does. You know, the fire will burn, will burn through, will burn out all the drafts and and things things like things that need to go. Like maybe it's a traumatic memory. Maybe it's it's you know something that that happened, uh, that we did. It's just something. You can burn out all kinds of stuff. But I can stand here all day or I can sit here or I can pray to God every day or several times a day I can say, Holy Spirit, I, I really, 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 really want to stop eating chocolate. Can you please burn that desire out of me? Can you burn all my desire out of me for eating chocolate, other junk food as well? But if I go out and I just buy a bunch of chocolate and I eat it, that's not going to do me any good. That's not going to do him any good. He can try and burn out and say, hey, maybe he did burn out, but I went and I I canceled out what he did because I put the chocolate in my mouth. That's where my part comes in of, of, of doing my part. Because I can say all day long, Jesus, I don't want to de- eat all this junk and 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 I know he's talking in my heart about eat, not eating chocolate. But then I go out and I buy Easter eggs on sale and I eat them and me, a, I was a chocoholic and then, you know, thank God he delivered me from that. I actually got bapt- re-baptized in our church and they it was a wonderful service and they actually had a baptismal pool in up front with sanctuary was and i went forth and i got i got you know i got re-baptized and i got touched in a mighty way they they literally had to fish me out of the pool and and carry me out of there and put me on the ground that's how touched i got but and the thing was normally i would i would eat chocolate chocolate chip cookies and all this stuff and I went. To, I happened to go to Walmart that day after after the service, and I was walking by looking at all this chocolate that had, you know, was going to get to go on sale pretty soon because it was Easter eggs. I had absolutely no desire for the chocolate whatsoever after that. After being after being rebaptized, and then when I when I actually did have a bit of chocolate because um, it was something that you know I just had to eat because I was hungry at the time. It tasted bitter. So every time I I, was, I tasted uh, chocolate after that, it tasted bitter. And then I would eat these little uh, um, pastry bars that were just maybe fruit kind of thing, like a cereal bar. But then after a while, they started to taste bitter. So the Lord, at least he's slowly weaning me off of things. It's not a dramatic thing, but he totally took that from me. And my point in all of that is that if, if he did remove that from me, I could still go in. I still have to do my part by not picking up that chocolate. Because after a while, he would just say, okay, well, I've tried. I've, I've removed it. I've made it bitter. Just go ahead and, and you know, because I have to cooperate with the process. I have to submit to the process. And as for Adam was speaking about uh, eternity and and trying to get, get a uh, you know, a... a some kind of perspective on eternity. Uh, I know that um, one of his favorite Bible teachers is John Bevere, and there's a book called Driven by Eternity, and it it gives you a uh, it's it's a very good good book on giving you a sense of eternity, and that's called Driven by Eternity by John Bevere B E D E R E. And one night, um, I'm not sure when, but one night we're going to play. It might have to be actually two nights in a row because it's going it to have to split up the, the series But because uh, it's more than two hours. So what we have right now is two hours, but it's more than two hours. So, But we're going to play a uh, – the it's like a play sort of thing or like a parable. And I'm sure whenever I'm done talking, Adam may or may not elaborate on that parable, but I think it's like a parable – um, but it's done where John Bevere hired these these uh these people to do the show uh for them. It was a dramatic audio. So we're gonna play that with permission one night. And as for um as for getting a sense of eternity, you know, that's one thing I'm praying for myself. I would really like to have a sense of eternity. Uh, more than I do now. And our pastor one day was speaking, and he talked about this place, and it's called Tabletop Mountain. And um, it's it's in uh, Tabletop Mountain, and I'm looking at a picture of it, and it literally looks like a table. And the reason they call it Tabletop Mountain is when the when the clouds come on over it, it looks like it has a tablecloth on it. But when the clouds of or no, there's no clouds on it. It looks like it doesn't have a tabletop tablecloth. But he says, picture this mountain. Now, if y'all can go to your go to your web, you know your your page and Google tabletop mountain. And when you've done that, put it on images, and all these images of tabletop mountain will appear. And so he said that. Picture a little sparrow and a little sparrow comes to tabletop mountain and he pecks on it five times and then he flies away and he comes back a year later. He pecks on it five times, flies away, comes back another year later, pecks on it five times, goes away and he keeps doing this until this tabletop mountain is gone. You'll just glimpse the beginning of what eternity would feel like. Can you imagine that little sparrow is going to take forever, quote, to get down to the bottom of this mountain? And when you look at up, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put one later on after this show. I'm going to put a picture of it in In a, I'm going to make like a, a, a slide show and I'm going to put part of this as it. But when you see the picture of it, you'll know we kind of get an idea of why I'm saying that. And also, uh, another pastor shared with me one time how he was um, going someplace. He was driving, and uh, there was evidences of this one place that had a flash fire. You know, like there's flash floods and there's things like that. It was just a flash fire, and it just came through and went through. And as he's driving, he looked, and afterwards, you know, there's a lot of burn stuff, but there were still weeds there and little things that hadn't got caught by the fire because the fire just went straight through. So it's really just not just a flat, you know, we don't want to flash fire. We want the fire of God just engulfing us. And and so there's no weeds, that it uproots the weeds. So it just made me think of that.
1: You know, I'm going to read something. You know, when we were during this uh, last minister's conference, when we were during during this last minister's conference we were um, we had a night where we began to get sing through a bunch of the um the old hymns and i was what was amazing to me was is that just some of the eternal perspective that came especially on um, one of those old hymns um I'll just say you know i just i the the new the new a lot of the new worship just seems to lack the fire it doesn't lack the it lacks the word it lacks doctrine it's just almost like feel good these days but you know the old hymns a lot of these these old hymns were birthed out of you know trials were birthed out of difficulty were birthed out of fire so and we were talking about the eternal perspective and so when we were when we were really pressing in one night singing one of these old hymns it was just this sense of loving jesus just not you know forever you know, even in eternity just became more real to me. And so, Ruka, I just want to, I'm going to, I don't know if I'll read the whole thing, but I'm going to just re- read through it just to kind of give the perspective and try to impart the perspective that came to me.
0: If you need to read the whole thing, read it.
1: It says, it says, you know, the first verse says, My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus tis now. You know, and then it goes on to say, I love thee because thou hast first loved me. And purchase my pardon at Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, till now. It is now. And then it goes on to loving him throughout life. It says, I'll love thee in life and I'll love thee in death. I'll praise thee as long as you lend me breath. And I'll say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, till tis now. And the last verse is what really just amazed me. So it's talking about just loving Jesus how jesus first loved us and then it talks about loving jesus even unto uh, to the point where you know years from now which you know life seems so long but really it's so short but even lying on our deathbed we're still saying jesus i, I love you now but then it goes into and then in mansions of glory and endless delight i'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright and i'll sing with the glittering cl- crown on my brow if ever i love thee my jesus tis now so you know eternity just never ends and it's just like and i want to be I was like, oh my God, I want to be that guy, you know, millions and millions and millions of years now, with a gold crown on my brow, still saying, if I have ever loved thee, it's Jesus till now. You say, well, my, what does that have to do with the fire God? Has everything to do with the fire God. Why? Because it's the fire of God that refines us and changes us and shapes us and lets us be those kind of a people that are going to endure to the end and that are going to and that are going to be refined and that are going to be as glorious ones on that day. You know, it's not, I'm sorry, I mean, grace is not, I mean, I'm not going to get into a holding on grace right now. We're going to do a whole show on that, maybe. But grace is not this, like, Band-Aid that just covers all of our fleshliness. Grace, along with the fire of God, empowers us to live for Jesus, empowers us to endure, empowers us to get the sin out of our lives, empowers us to be vessels of honor, not dishonor. So I just really want to just impart that. You know, millions and millions of years from now, God intends for you to be around His throne with a glittering gold gold crown on your brow, singing praises to Him for all of eternity. That's a that's a beautiful thing to look forward to. But you know, but you know, as for here on the earth, guess what? We got to be soldiers. We got to walk with Him. and We got to walk in. The, you know, and I'll, let me say that. You know, and I'm going there's something I'm gonna read later in the show. But one of the things that my pastor talked about during the conference was is that. If we're if we're going to have glory with him, then we have to be crucified with him. If we're going to have glory with him, we have to suffer with him. So, this idea that we're going to have glory in heaven without suffering here—I'm sorry, that's just not reality. And unfortunately, that's what the church has preached. You know, these guys came up to Jesus in the Bible and said, "Jesus, we want to we want to sit on the thrones next to you in glory." And Jesus was like, "Well, okay, uh, can you drink from the cup I'm drinking from?" And they're like, "Yeah," <laughs> but you know. Bottom line is, yeah. If you if you want to if you want to share glory with him, then guess what you got to and you got to drink from the cup he drank from when he was here, even if that means possibly dying for him and suffering for him. Amen.
0: Right. You know, and I was thinking here about how how in Hebrews twelve fourteen. It speaks of um, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I was speaking, I'm thinking about how holiness, we, you know, our God, he's holy. It's the Holy Spirit, not the evil, wicked spirit. It's a different spirit. That's a demon spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And without holiness in our lives, Without, you know, whatever it is we have, a, whatever it is people are dealing with in their hearts, if it's lust, if it's pride, if it's envy, if it's jealousy, whatever the hidden sense of the heart may be, allowing the fire of God, submitting to the process of him burning those things out of our heart so that we're holier. You know we're more like him, he can dwell in us in in the whole beauty of you know beauty of the holiness, because we have to without holiness, it's just not possible to see God. It's not possible to be with him forever. We want we want to be holy, because as I said, without holiness, we will not see God. So I I think that also holiness is a very, very important thing to cover as well. You know, being pure, asking God to just burn those things out that are not of him. You know, whether it's, like I said, whether it is, because it's just, I mean, it's just plain right there. Without holiness, you shall not, you will not. No man shall see god
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and uh you know also it says who shall who shall ascend to my to my um i gotta look at
1: that one up So shall, who shall ascend to who, my holy hill he who has clean hands and a pure heart
0: right, so pure heart clean hands holy, holy holy, holy, because he's holy and
1: now, I mean, now the question might come, well, but Adam, aren't we washed in the blood of Jesus now? Aren't we made righteous with him now? And the answer is absolutely yes. Hebrews ten fourteen says he has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. So there's there's really two kind. you know, uh, E.W. Kenyon wrote a book called Two Kinds of Righteousness. So there is the righteousness that's imputed to us once we're born again Christians. Your spirit is made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So let me emphasize that. But notice it says he is perfected forever those that are being sanctified. And so basically, it's like, basically, God understands that we're not perfect. God understands that we need to be purified. That's the purpose of the fire, one of them anyway, is to, and it is a process. It's not overnight. However, he is saying that you have to continue to go through the process. You do have to stay in him. You can't just lax back and be like, well, you know. And, uh, you know, and, you know, and I'm going to be, you know, honestly, I, I question whether you're going to get in, because if, that, if that's your attitude, then guess what, you really don't want everything God has for you. And I question really your love for Jesus, if you're just just trying to like do the minimum requirement to be saved. And maybe, you know, Hopefully you'll get to heaven with a shack in the back or something. You know, just you know, you don't really care as long as I'm there. You know, but you know, I'm saved by grace, so it's all good. I'm just going to relax. And unfortunately, that that doesn't work. It is a narrow road, amen. And it's the it's the fire of God that burns the things out of us, that burns the things off of us, that enable us to walk on that narrow road. Now we're talking about the fire. So I want to talk a little bit about, again, about how to get the fire. We're going to go, we read the scripture last week, but I'm going to read it again. It's Exodus chapter 3, and again, it's the story of Moses. Now, I want to to pay real close attention to what I'm saying here, because there's an important point in here. Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God unto Horeb. The angel of Jehovah appeared unto him in a fire, out of the midst of a bush and he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed now catch this part chapter th- in mean, chapter three verse three and moses said i will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burned and then when jehovah saw that he turned aside then god called unto out of the midst of the bush and called and said moses and he said here am i so you understand how god works god when he's when he wants us to draw near, he doesn't necessarily always just come to us. He actually kind of makes his aware his presence known. But before he actually reveals himself to us or speaks to us, he waits for us to turn aside. That means turning aside. And Hima, he was he was he wasn't like doing nothing. He wasn't out there you know just throwing rocks across the lake or something. He was actually tending sheep. He was busy. And the thing about sheep is like if he had just walked off, you know, my God, the sheep could go everywhere. Take me forever to round them up. But no, he actually. God caught his attention and he turned aside to go after God. And then that's when God revealed himself to us. So in the same way, James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So God has made the invitation open. He rent the veil in two, and now he's calling for us to draw near. And if we will turn aside from our distractions, our pleasures, things of that nature, then he will come and reveal to us and speak to us out of the fire. But we have to turn aside. We have to separate ourselves. You know, um, I heard a man of God say once, you know, he's like, a, you know, like the, the the last days prophets in many cases, they're in caves right now. What do you mean by caves? They, they're, they're setting themselves apart. They're going after Jesus. They're drawing near. They're, let, they're coming close to the fire. They're letting God prepare them. You know, um, Lester Summerall said, you know, in the last days, I'll, God will unleash as a giant upon the earth and the, wonder, the world will wonder where they came from. Many of the the great giants of the last days right now, I mean, they're still on the backside of the wilderness being letting God work on them. So in the same way, everybody listening, God has a call on your life. But for you to fulfill that call, you know, we all love that scripture for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and give you a future. Right there in Jeremiah 29 also it says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you search me with all your heart. So you turning aside and seeking the face of God is very, very crucial to you actually. And like what we talked about earlier, not just casually seeking him, laying your grabbing a hold of the ornaments of the altar and saying, God, I'm going to seek you until I find you. I'm going to seek you and I'm not going to leave until you bless me. You're going to touch me. And, you know, when you come like that, you know, and I know a few people that actually got that kind of desperation, so this isn't just something you read about in books, and maybe one day when you're 80, you can attain to it. Our own pastor, uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, he says, you know, he got touched by the fire when he says, God, if you don't touch me, I'm, I'm going to come touch you. You know, he was that desperate, that was a desperate cry. You know, um, another minister I know, he cried out, God said, if I can't have an intimacy with you on this earth, just take me home, I don't want to live anymore. You know, when God first touched me with the fire, was my cry was, God, it came out of my spirit. God, if you don't touch me, I'm never going to make it I'm never going to be satisfied. So there's a constant theme that we have to want it more than our own lives, more than our pleasures, more than the world. It's not, this is a precious thing we're seeking after. Precious things aren't found easily. They're for those that press in and go after them. Amen. And, uh, you know, because what happened with me is like, you know, I was, um, God just, it was really like, I was, and understand, I was bound up in confusion, everything you can think of. I mean, I i think I told the story on another, um, like maybe the last episode, I'll tell it again because it bears selling here. I was so messed up that I went to like this uh, Christian, like 12-step support group with like alcoholics and pe- the people with depression and codependency and all this stuff. So basically you go to this group, it's, you know... Where everyone talks about the same issues, but you know, but the problem is, it, it doesn't seem like anybody's getting better. You know, church is a hospital, but in good hospitals, people get better. So, but and no one was getting better. Just everyone just talked about the same things all the time. And so, God told me one day, Adam just seek me. And so for months, I would just say, God, if I seek you, I'll find you. If I search for you with all my heart, if I seek you, I'll find you. If I search for you with all my heart. And then one day in my room, just. Just relentless, just wouldn't give up. You know, I cried out to God and said, God, if you don't touch me, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be satisfied. And God hit my room like an atomic bomb. And that that fire, that wind, that presence of God came and it began to burn off, just like burn off all all these bondages and things that were holding me back. And then people in the group began to exclaim, like, what happened to you? And it was just, it was, I, I had an encounter with God. I had an Damascus Road experience. I mean, God came, and I, I, I met God at the burning bush. God came and touched me with his fire, and I was never the same. But again, one of the things that God told me in the midst of all this, he says, I'm not coming for those that wish they had time to seek me. I'm coming for those that are seeking me. You know, people, people will lay aside anything they, they have to to spend time with the one that they love. So if you really want the fire and you really want Jesus, then guess what? Casual Christianity has got to go. You're going to have to turn aside. You're going to have to turn away. You're going to have to shut the TV off. You're going to have to shut off the Xbox. You're going to have to maybe not hang out with your friends some. You're going to have to go, you know, whatever it is, things that the things that consume your time, you're going to have to shut that thing and make time and say, God, I'm coming after you, and nothing's going to stop me. Amen? You know, I remember um, one. You know, when God began to touch, the difference between when God touched me with his fire at that time and the, before that, it was like really night and day. It was like I had drawn near to God, you know, in the burning bush, so to speak. And it was like, and then it went from not hearing God at all to hear, to hear like you know God starting to get up in my business. I mean, he was he was speaking quite a bit and his voice became clear. So in the same way, it didn't really Moses probably really wasn't hearing God all throughout those 40 years on the backside of the desert, but when he turned his side, that's when God spoke to him out of the bush. And so there's a lot of people that like they hear stories about great men of God that hear from the Lord and they hear these wonderful things They're like, "Oh, you know, I would like to hear from God like that. I'd like to know God like that." Well, you know what? But those people paid a price for that. Those people sought God. Those people drew near. Those people went after Jesus. Amen. Um, you know, and what happened after that? It was like it was like everything came out of that time. You know, from even what we're doing now, the ministry, this radio ministry, the church we go to. If you want God to direct your life, if you want God to touch your life, it's not just you know. Pray and ask God and then just everywhere you go is the will of God. No,
0: know, if
1: you're going to find the will of God for your life, you're going to have to come to you have to draw near and let him purify you and touch you. So he you can so you can hear his voice because God wants to guide you, but he speaks out of the fire just like with Moses and the burning bush. He speaks from the fire, so you're going to have to draw near if you want to hear God speak to you. You can literally come to a place where you hear God speak to you about the intimate details of your life. You can literally come to the place where God tells you his secrets, but that comes to those that draw near to him. If you seek me, you'll find me when you search me with all your heart. It's not casual. It's diligent. It's a, What does diligent mean? It means with with relentless pursuit, I'm coming after him. If you want to see what diligent means, uh, you know, look up you know, a ministry where they come in and they feed, they feed hungry people and they feed starving people. And then watch what happens to those people when the food starts to run out. Those people get desperate. Those people walk for three days straight to get a bowl of soup. Why? Because they're going to die without it. You know, our own pastor says, he goes, you know, you, you're going to have to become like a man in a desert. You know, a man in a desert, he's, he's dying, he's crawling through the desert. You offer him a briefcase with a million dollars. He's saying, no, I got to have water. You know, you coming off from a luxury automobile. No, I got to have water. He's not going to stop until he dies or gets the water. And that's how we have to be with with this fire. That's how we have to be with God and, and wanting that intimacy with Him. You know, I'm even convicting myself as I'm talking, like saying, "My God, I mean, I got. You know, it's time to it's time to turn some other things aside. It's time to we're, time is short. You know, and uh, you know, it's not to say that recreations not valid or important but in america we seem to have an idol of it and it just it's it's what we live for we work we go to church we do our christian duty and then we the rest of the time we live for ourselves but if we'll draw near then guess what god's going to come and burn those things up and he's going to lead you into doing some things for him and it may not be where you want to go but your heart has to be god i'll go where you want me to go i'll do what you want me to do i'll say what you want me to say and those are gonna be the people that stand before him. You know, the scripture is still true that not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord will inherit the kingdom of heaven, but those that do with the will of my father you might say, Well has what does that have to do with the fire of God? It has everything to do with the fire of God. Because in order to in order to endure to the end, especially in this last day, you're gonna to have to have the fire of God. You know, a preacher I know of, he had a vision one day and he said he saw an ocean of people as far as the eye could see, and he there were no Buddhists, atheists, Muslims, anybody in the group. He looked at this entire group and, and he and Jesus was standing before him, and he, they were all expected to say, enter into heaven, only to hear the Lord say, depart from me, I never knew you. So, again, this has everything to do with fire God, because, again, we either go through the fire now, or we maybe up, wind up getting a wrong kind of fire then. And um, so I don't know about you, but, I mean, I just want to be, and you're like, well... Where's the line? Like, where, where do I, how do I know? Look, if you, it's not about a line. If you really love Jesus, you're going to draw close to him and just, you just want to be close to him, I promise. And if you love Jesus and you're seeking Jesus, you're not trying to figure out how you can halfway it. You're trying to get as close to Jesus as you possibly can, Amen. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who saw the treasure in the field and gladly sold everything to get it. You're not trying to find out how much of the world you can have and how much of Jesus you can have. You're trying to find out how can I just get closer to Him. What do I have to? Live? What do I got to do? I'll pay any price, but I got to have Jesus, Amen. And um, you know, I remember laying, You know, one of the some of the most incredible you know trials difficulties I've gone through have been, you know, even in my own church, you know, or in churches I've been to, that needs to be addressed. You know, it's like you have to understand something that if the Bible talks about fire, that fire comes in many times in the form of trials and tribulations. You know, um, the Bible is very clear that, you know, in the last days people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, arrogant, unafraid to speak evil of dignitaries, you name it. Um, it goes through this list of some of the traits of people in the church in the last days. You might say, "Well, I don't want to go to church. There's hypocrites there." Well, no. There's there's all the wheat and the tares are going to be there until the end. But what you have to understand is that many times these trials, these fires that we go through, come in the form of difficulties with other people. You know, and those, it's those things that shape you. And you either go through it, and you praise God through it, and you obey God through it, and then you're shaped into His image, or you'd get offended and bitter. Angry, and then what happens is then you in the future you might find a want to face in the wrong kind of fire. You have to understand any difficulty you go through in the places that God's placed you in, He has foreseen those difficulties and placed you in there. So a lot of times when it comes to ministry, especially the very fire that people are like they leave the church out of offense, that was the very fire that God was actually trying to place them and put them through. In order that they might endure, in order that they might be changed, and that's how what you could call a spiritual vagabonds are born. These people that go from church to church to church to church to church. Uh, it's just like they they bounce around. Why? Because every time the, every time the offense comes, every time the difficulty comes, they run from it and they never fulfill the call of God on their lives. You know, and that's a very dangerous place. To so please, if you've left if you've left a place out of offense, if you've left a church out of offense, you need to go back and repent. I apologize I look and say and and stand strong and endure. Again, it's it's the hard times that make us grow. You know, I heard a really great analogy once, you know, it's like talking about a tree that you know, when you tr- a tree, if it could talk, you know, when a farmer plants it, if when the wind when the weather conditions get bad, you know, that if the tree could talk, the tree, the tree the tree would say, "Hey, man, can you get me out of here? Can you put me like in the greenhouse somewhere or something like that? Somewhere nice, because this wind's blowing kind of hard. It's getting kind of hot out here. You know, my God, it, you know, it's it was rained real. I mean, I like water, man, but it rained really hard. I, I mean, it's just look, this is getting hard. I mean, I keep having to dig my roots deeper just to stay here, and that's actually what God's trying to get you to do. The purpose of the trials is to get you to dig your roots deeper." And deeper and deeper and the digger the deeper a tree digs its roots then the stronger the tree can grow and get bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger but if the farmer was to listen to the tree and uproot it and say hey you know I'm gonna put you somewhere safer I don't want you to go through all this then guess what that tree is not going to grow and bear fruit and fulfill its destiny so in the same way the trial the fire of trials and tribulations are absolutely vital and necessary for you to fulfill your destiny you know, um, and just briefly regarding the uh, parable that Deborah spoke of, um, that uh, I, we are going to do that, that in that parable. I just briefly want to cover that, just as a like sneak preview there. Uh, with permission from John Piers' ministry, we will be doing a series soon called uh, "Affabel," um, and that the story is a parable. Uh, of six people and how the choices they make in their lives affect what they face at the judgment seat of christ There's no way that you can listen to the series that we're going to air soon without being touched and changed um, It show, it covers the lives of six different people. There's a man named independent He represents what you could call, you know, your everyday atheist There's a person named deceived He represents a person who professes jesus very loudly with his mouth but denies him by the life that he lives A person named selfish who is he's saved but he wasted a lot of his life Faintheart, who is saved, but she lets unforgiveness and bitterness fill her life. Uh, Double Life, who's a teacher that doesn't live what he teaches. And finally, a lady named Charity, who fulfills the full call of God all the way to the end. And it's full of the Word of God. And the whole point of this uh, series that we're going to do is, Jesus said, the Word that I've spoken will judge you on the last day. So everything that we're held accountable for at the judgment seat is already in the Bibles that we hold. And so the idea is to give you an eternal perspective and cause you to truly make the Word of God your foundation that you might endure to the end and um so with that being said, we want to just cause you to go ahead and uh look forward to that so we just really the i mean my my big heart with this radio show and dealing with subjects like the fire of God is just to to plead with people to please. Don't don't fall for this fake message of ease and comfort that's been taught by false teachers that are going through the church that just tell you that, you know, everything that everything's easy breezy and everything's okay And God just wants you happy. I promise you, God, if you look at the people in the Bible, God is much more interested in redemption, not just for others, but for yourself. And he is in your personal comfort. Um, You know, all throughout the Bible, you know, you see Paul again. He was, you know, shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, you know. Paul really, you know, before he became a Christian, he probably had a much easier life. He was well-known. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, you know, the Pharisees back in that day, the religious rulers, you know, they were not only the religious rulers, they were also the political rulers. Paul probably honestly had a fairly cushy life ahead of him. You know, he was he knew the law better than anybody. He would be deemed, you know, if if Jews went to, like, teaching conferences, they'd go see Paul. You know, but Paul instead, he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and and what's amazing is is that then he spends his life now he goes from this life of where everyone loves him to being persecuted, beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead and it didn't happen once or twice it happened everywhere he went and that's why the bible says that those that uh, that live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. I'm like, "Adam, why would I why would I want to do that? Why would I want to live this life of hardship and difficulty? My god." I mean, I, I was cool with it when you know I was reading a book telling me that you know how to how to how to be rich and have lots of money, and Jesus wants me happy. I was wanting to be a Christian then, but now I'm not so sure well, the answer is is because you have to understand you know there was a movie everyone knows it that came out years ago called it was called the Matrix now um and the whole thing thing with this movie was is that and there's an amazing in- analogy in that movie is that so you got these you got these uh these people that they live outside of this virtual reality program called the matrix. And the matrix is is this world where everything just goes as normal all the time and everything and everyone's, you know, just go, life just goes on. And everyone thinks that they're, and everyone thinks that they're free, but really they're slaves. Why? Because the reality is, is that their bodies are hooked to the, to, to this program and the, 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 the machines, I'm sorry, machines are using their energy from their bodies to feed themselves but keeping themselves in this deception and the people even though they're comfortable, they're slaves. And so these people managed to, these, other, these few managed to get out of the matrix, and even though life is difficult for them, they don't have the comforts that they used to, and they don't have the pleasures that they used to, they would rather have reality with difficulty than comfort with a false sense of reality. And that's what you have to understand with Christianity, is when, you, when, the, veil, when the scales come off and you come to Christ and you come to walk in this reality, you realize that this, this is a world coming to an end, it's going to be burned by fire, and uh, the devil's going to come, and, you know, and eventually he's going to be judged and everyone's going to spend, their, their, spend a lost eternity in a place called hell. And God, and so God, and the way I have to say that this, this, it's all fake. So that you can either settle for a false sense of comfort now, or you can come out and live in reality in what's really going on. And you might, you, it winds up, it means being a soldier, it means going through difficulties and trials, it means attacks, it might be, mean dying for your faith. But at least, but at least you live for reality. And the good thing, and the good thing is, is that with Christianity, as opposed to the Matrix, there's an eternal reward. Amen. So it's not just about difficulty. It's just recognizing that your home is not here. As a as a non believer, this is as good as it gets. You know, as, as amazing as the riches Bill Gates has, you know, the man's like what? Is like fifties now. He has a very short time ahead of him, and he's going to be judged. And then all of his riches and his wealth is going to mean nothing. So in the same way, we have to recognize that this isn't our home. So we have to quit treating it like our home, and treat heaven like it's our home, and, and, and endure to the end. Um, I remember that. I remember when I was uh, learning about some of these things, and I it just it just so gripped me that to to make the word of God my absolute foundation you know, that to make to make the word of, that I wasn't going to believe, you know, false doctrines, that I wasn't going to believe in some something that gave me a false sense of peace, that I was going to believe the truth. And I just want to plead with everyone, please make the word of God your foundation. It's everything. It's what you're going to be judged by. You know, I'm, you should be, that, that Bible you have, I'm, I'm American Christian, you should be clean, that, that is your lifeline. You know, I remember, um, you know, my analogy for it is like, imagine if you were walking through a dark cave, you know, and you had no way out of the cave, but somebody came and gave you a map and a little light and uh, said, look, if you, look, this is your guide. I mean, cling to it with your life, you know, share it with others, but cling to it with your life and follow it, just exa- everything, exactly what it says. Don't, don't alter it. It is your way out of this cave. And then somebody walks up, you're, you know, and you're, you're like so thankful and you're walking, and then somebody walks up to you and says, well, what are you doing? Well, you know, I'm following the map. I mean, I'm, I'm getting out of this cave. Well, I mean, that's good, but, I mean, and the guy goes, well, that's good, but, you know, not everything on that map applies to you, and I think you're taking it a little too seriously. You know, it's important, but look, I mean, if you go off the map a little bit, look, I mean, you're still going in the right direction. You'll still get out of the cave. If you have any brain in your head, you look at the guy and go, are you crazy? You're, you're playing with my life here. And uh, so, in the same way, when we uh, we, we we treat like the, the anybody that tells us that the word that the whole word of God is not for us in that way, it is your map to eternal life.
0: Right, <clears throat> a lot of uh, a lot of important nuggets there, gold nuggets. And uh, as you were doing that, Adam, I was looking up scriptures about holiness. I felt like the Lord was wanting me to kind of catch on and kinda of, I don't know, I just followed him and what he wanted me to what he wanted me to do. So I'm gonna go with that in just a moment, as soon as I get there. In Isaiah thirty five verses eight through 8, it says, A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall not be found there. And the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return, and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 2 Corinthians 7.1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, in the fear of God, 1 Peter 1.16 reads, Because it it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Revelation 15.4 Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. And in Leviticus 11, 44 and through 45, it says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You should therefore be holy, for I am holy. And there's also another verse, if you'll bear with me, that I'm going to look up here. Also in 19, Leviticus 19, verse 2, Speak to all the congregation the children of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And there's also another couple of verses, if you'll bear with me, that I am looking up. And that is Leviticus twenty, verse seven. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the the Lord your God and holy. And you know, I was, I keep, I can't get away from this holiness uh, on my heart because you know, without like I read in Hebrews twelve, without which no man shall shall see God. So, in, in all of that, you know, we ha- we need to be uh, holy, you know, because, and I'm looking up another one, if you bear with me. It's in, in 1 Corinthians 3.17, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are. So also there's another one that um that I'm looking at that talks about joining yourself to a harlot. And so um you know which one that is, Anna? I'll just I can look it up if you don't know it.
1: No, I'm not hundred percent sure. That's
0: okay. So defiling yourself with, with idols and harlots. So it's in well, I can come back to it as soon as I look it up okay,
1: oh wait I, I, it's actually first corinthians six okay
0: one corinthians
1: six and this what as she's looking it up what this verse is uh what this uh segment's referring to is is talking about being the temple of God and uh, talks about what you know not polluting the temple of God with sexual morality and it says you know and she's gonna read it and it's and this verse is talking about any form of sexual morality mm-hmm. and particularly what she's gonna read uh you know. Go ahead and read it.
0: Okay, so it talks about in... I'm going to start at verse 12. Actually, I'm just going to read the whole thing. Um, Dare any of you, having a matter against another good way, go to the law unrighteous and not before the saints, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? And then it talks about these other things here. And then I'm going to go down to verse 12. And it says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomachs for food, for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And and God both raised up the Lord and will also raise raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So our body is a temple of God. The Holy Spirit came out of the Holy of Holies when Jesus hallelujah died on that cross the cross ends of the world, took out every sickness every everything that 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 was taken and he and he died was buried and you know he resurrected and that you know when that when that happened the the veil tore from top to bottom in the Holy of Holies, the veil that separated God that separated Holy Spirit from man was torn from top to bottom. It was torn from top to bottom because it was torn from bottom to top. That would mean that man probably did it or could have done it, which, which irregardless of which that was, that was a heavy thing to tear. It was a hard thing to tear. So it was torn, to, torn top to bottom. And God, God came out of that temple that, 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 that from behind that curtain that separated him, he came out of that Holy Holy. Holies, praise God. And he, and he came to live inside our heart on the day of Pentecost. You know, when, when Jesus came and he and he and he appeared to his disciples, he breathed on them to receive the Holy Ghost. But he didn't say they weren't baptized with the Holy Ghost, but they received the Holy Ghost. And thank God that He no longer lives in earthly tabernacles made by the hand of man, but he dwells in our hearts to ever live inside of us. And that we can intercede through him. And that—that's why we have to be holy. Will we have perfection? No, we're all a work in progress. But everything that is not of God, everything that's of the world, everything that pulls us apart from Him, everything that is not holy, we have to stay apart. We have to be. We have to cleanse this temple, like Jesus cleansed the, te- the, the temple of the money changers, of the bankers of those days that were that were just. <clears throat> that were ripping off the people and that were selling them bad stuff, and that was they were just they, he cleansed the temple, he took any any and, and he overturned the table and and he he just cleansed it of that he says, "My house shall be a house of prayer, not a house of adendenthes, of, of basically, and so he cleansed the temple, and when that was out, the holiness holiness and then the pure purifying work of the fire that purifies and cleanses and holy sanctify <clears throat> sanctify means simply to be set apart is what sanctify means so sanctified set apart and all of that in saying all of that we have to be diligent in seeking the lord and seeking holiness because of adam said you know being diligent in it is is what we what we need to be and what diligence means according to dictionary.com is it means is, <clears throat> Diligent means constant in effort. Constant in effort to accomplish something, attentive and persistent in doing anything. A diligent student done or pursued with persevering attention, painstaking, a diligent search of the files. And and synonyms are... um, well, it doesn't really matter right now, but the, basically the diligent is, 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 is what I just read. And then also tenacious would be another, another word to look up. So would be holding fast, characterized by keeping a firm hold, often followed by a tenacious grip on my arm, tenacious of old habits, highly retentive, a tenacious memory. Adhesive or sticky, vicious or gluttonous. Holding together, cohesive, not easily pulled asunder, tough. So basically, holding on, being tenacious in our seeking the Lord, being tenacious and, and uh, diligent in not only seeking Him and His faith and His word, but also holiness, purity, cleansing, with, and and being set apart, because not not because otherwise we're not going to seek God, we're not going to obtain that, we're not going to get go to glory from glory to glory and to that next level and and keep going to those levels like like we want to do if we don't seek holiness. And I just feel I don't know I felt it for about maybe. Well, enough time that I'm gonna I'm gonna address that. I, I feel uh, a strong uh, that I need to address pornography here. That I, I feel the spirit of pornography. I I, I feel the Holy Spirit lay that on my heart, and um, I, I'm gonna address it. So just to know that even though uh, lust is, of course, we know all temptations are from the devil, but and all of these things, but but knowing that. You're defiling your body the, the, because any sin that you commit outside the body is one thing, but the sin that you commit in in, in the body is is against it, it's joining the it's joining your members to the Holy Spirit. It, it the, and when you watch pornography it's actually like your brain doesn't know the difference. Like if you're going to watch a murder show like a, a, or a CSI or something like that and you see these dead bodies or you see somebody killing somebody on TV, your brain doesn't know the difference. And your spirit certainly, you know, you're letting these things in. So when your body watches, when your brain and your spirit are watching pornography, it's like you're actually there and you're a part of the act. So what you see in pornography, you're actually doing it. And so when you're doing it, then your spirit is joined with those people or persons or whoever, whatever you're watching for numerous, numerous hours is actually joined with those people. So in essence, your spirit is, is, is attached and, and uh, uh, joined with, those, the, the, with that. And so the harlot, like it says in that, so that in all of this for hours and hours or however long it is that you're watching pornography, you are actually in the act, in your heart, in your spirit, and you are committing that and you're, you're subjecting the Holy Spirit to that. And I don't speak with condemnation at all. I'm just speaking what the Holy Spirit is speaking through me because I don't even feel like I'm talking. So basically, what you're doing is you're subjecting a precious, precious, precious gift, a precious person that's been given to you, and I'm speaking to believers now. I'm not speaking to unbelievers. Maybe backsliders. I feel I'm speaking to believers. You are subjecting somebody who's holy to basically having countless encounters, sexual encounters, and and he doesn't want that. He's holy. Why are you subjecting him to that? Why are you grieving him in that way? Why? I plead with you, stop. Stop it. In the name of Jesus, stop it. Say, God, I'm sorry. I break that power. I break the power of lust off of you. Jesus' name is higher than the name of lust. The, the mention of the name of Jesus, every, name should, every knee shall bow, every name, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And the name of Jesus is higher than the spirit of pornography, the spirit of lust and perversion. I break your power. I cancel you. I render you harmless in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over this believer. I break your power in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over these people listening now that have this problem that will listen in the future or if they don't, whoever's listening, whoever this is for and, and the people that this is for, I implore you, I break its power in the name of Jesus. Stop subjecting pure and holy God to this filthiness and this defile. Because if you defile, if you continue, if you continue to defile the temple of the living God, he will destroy that temple he has given you numerous numerous chances and if you continue file him and his temple that he resides in he will cut you off without a remedy and he will turn you over to reprobate mind so in the name of Jesus the living God stop it if you have to say the blood of Jesus 500,000 times Stop it, because I tell you right now, there is the flesh, there is the, the heart, and there is, is, is the, the emotions, and whichever one cries louder, that's the one that takes over. You need to feed your spirit, man, and not your flesh, because your flesh is the one that wants that. Your spirit is grieved by that. You're grieving the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, you need to stop it. You need to stop it. I hear the cry of heaven. Why do you subject? Why do you subject my holiness to this? Why do you subject my holiness and crucify me and put me up to public shame over and over and over and over and over again? Why? Why do you do this? I put a call on your life. I have a call on your life and your heart, yet you subject yourself to this this filth and this defilement. And i Over and over again, giving many, many chances, I implore thee, take this chance and make it the final pit stop at this filth, at this pornography. I implore you, before I cut you off without a remedy, and you are to your own devices, in the name of Jesus, stop. And I am not condemning you, because I didn't even say what the words came out of my mouth, I don't even... I just let him use my vocal cords and my mouth, but you know I will tell you one thing. I do feel his 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 broken heart by this. I feel his tears. I feel his pain. I feel his grief. Because when you're, you're grieving him, you're hurting him. Would you hurt your best friend like that? Well, please, I mean, I, I literally feel his heart, his, his, his pain. He loves you, he doesn't condemn you. just whatever you have to do, if you have to throw away the computer, if you have to throw away your phone, if you have to whatever it is, however it is you're accessing it, throw it out, break the computer, give it away, donate it to some place where it's going to be used not not like that. Is any temporary thing really worth hell? Separation from God forever? I don't think so. I know it's not. So please stop. In the name above every name, make that choice and stop. And you know you can call 1-866-857-4837. That's one eight six six eight five river, and even if there's nobody I mean there's normally operators standing by from Sunday through Friday from seven to nine and then from eleven to one, but hey, you know if if they're not there, they've even got buttons you can push and you can call for you can call for prayer for the fire of God or whatever it is and just. You can call them. So if you if you have a problem with that, the Lord sees that and He knows that you don't you don't like that. But the only problem is with pornography; it it gets progressively worse. The more you do it, to where it's like a little thing maybe arouses you to where you get more and more. To you're looking at some really sick perversion where suddenly it's actually hurting from you, but you're deriving pleasure from that, whereas you're never used to. So it gets worse and worse and there was even a a a, a mass a a mass murderer a, a serial killer that that after he was caught I, I told the people don't don't do pornography that's how i started he just started with pornography and then it excelled to him and all these these perverted violent fantasies that he projected and ended up going out and fulfilling so i'm just i'm asking you to I'm just telling you, and and, uh, if you get three by five cards and write down scriptures that you need to, and if you forget all the scriptures, say the blood of Jesus, and they'll go. But you have to make the decision. You have to. As Adam and I have been saying, we have to do our part. So you have to do your part by being active in your role of stopping the addiction and the perversion. You have to do your part because God can't do it all. And Another thing that's scary, as we've said before, he cannot override your will. So if you continue to do that, suppose that you were looking at the pornography and you had a heart attack and you died. You wouldn't go to heaven. You go straight to hell. And I'm not saying that condemning at all. I reiterate, I am not condemning you. I am imploring and pleading and begging with you, please, Make the decision to do your part and ask the Holy Spirit to forgive you for grieving him. And just, it's a journey, but you can do it. You can do it.
1: Uh, very, very powerful words there. Um, <clears throat> we-
0: Excuse me. Sorry. We can't
1: we can't uh, stress the importance of that enough. You know, sexual sin. Um, obviously, all sin costs Jesus' blood, but you know, uh, sexual sin, as the Bible states, uh, takes a totally different toll um, on our, on us uh, when we commit that uh, when we commit that sin. And I just want to encourage. You know, it's like if you're not, I don't know, everyone. You know, when people that are bound up in this particular sin, it, it's on varying levels. But I just want to say, you know if you don't, you know, it opens the doors to homosexuality and all kinds of other kinds of perversions. It never stays just at the same place. It always progresses. And, um, that's what I emphasize. You know, I, we want to, you know, and it is a journey, you know, we want to emphasize, you know, but you need to make yourself accountable. The Bible says if your right hand offends, you cut it off. If your, if your eye offends, you cut it out. Whatever you've got to do, you know, you're going to have to get, you're going to have to get radical. And, um, you're going to have to get radical in order to get free from this. And I do want to make some recommendations. You know, I myself, you know, I'm not condemning. I myself have been bound by this horrible perversion, you know, but I got free. How did I get free? I did whatever I had to do, man, because I knew that it was, it was this or heaven, you know, it was, you know, and I'm not going to hell for this thing. So, um, you know, some things, some things you do, a, you need to be accountable. You need to go to not somebody on your level. You need to go to a leader, somebody, somebody you respect, somebody, but you can trust that you can go to and say, Hey, I've got a real problem here and that leader is going to look at you and you're going to go. And if you ever fall, you're going to go to that leader and you're going to say, Hey, I fell. And you're going to be honest. You know, you know, there's ministers out there that you're in this, you know, I hate to say this, but if you're in this and then you're going out and you're ministering to people after engaging in this on a regular, on a continual basis, you're polluting other people. You're actually spreading that lust to other people. I would, I mean, really, I mean, some of you may need to, I mean, you, some of you may need to you don't whatever you do don't go laying hands on people and stuff like that when you're in this. I mean you're a minister but you're a you're a polluted vessel right now. Some of you may need to like step down from ministry if you you know and say okay I'm not going to impart this to other people you know and you need to go make yourself accountable and you know because of all, we've talked about vessels to honor and vessels to dishonor. Well guess what? Right now honestly you're acting as a vessel of dishonor. So you need to like be, let God clean you up and go through this process that you can be a vessel of honor. Amen. Like if I was still, if I was still out there doing this, there's no way in God, I fear God. There's no way on God's green earth. I would like do that and then try to do this radio show and like minister and impart to people. There's just no way, you know? Um, so what did I do? you know, I would go to pastors. I'd make myself accountable, whatever I had to do, you know, as far as the internet goes. I mean, we, we live in an age where everyone's got a smartphone, you know, if you have to get rid of the internet on your phone, uh, whatever you've got to do to make sure you know you're single, you're alone all the time. Hey, I get it, but you know what? Get rid of the internet on your phone. Whatever it is you got to do, um, you know the, the, there's 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 things you can download on your phone that actually block that stuff. Um, you know, a really good one that's been recommended by many is called I want to recommend it's called the K9 browser, K number nine browser, very very strong, actually blocks that stuff. Download it get somebody to help you, and get it to where it cannot be erased from your phone so it'll block that stuff. Because not only does it block the stuff from your phone, it actually... It actually blocks you from using any of their browsers. Why? And you say, well, I feel silly. I don't feel like I'm really free if I'm doing that. Well, freedom is a, a, a progressive thing, but you're doing what you've got to do to keep, you know, people that struggle with alcohol shouldn't go hang out in bars. People that struggle with cocaine addiction probably shouldn't go hang out in drug-infested areas. So in the same way, if you've got this temptation in front of you, then, hey, whatever you've got to do, get rid of the Internet, anything you've got to do. But if you're really, really serious, you know, you'll do it. And uh, there's lots of people that have gotten free from it, and so can you. It's is and and right now we just want to pray right now for deliverance right now in the name of Jesus for people struggling with that spirit right now. Say this with me if you want to, if you've been bound in this sin and you want to repent, you can say this with me. Say Jesus, I'm sorry. I rededicate my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Please help me. I make a choice today to consecrate myself afresh to you. I'm sorry. Please deliver me. Help me walk through this journey. I come as I will do whatever I have to do, but I will be free. I make that commitment to you now in Jesus' name. And, you know, and it's just like I said, start going forward. Make yourself accountable. Don't don't keep this in the darkness. The Bible says confess your sins one to one another that you may be healed. And uh, lastly, we've been talking about the fire of God. Man, you need the Holy Spirit. I think I know a lot, you know, without the Holy Spirit, you have no hope. You have no power. So right now, We are going to give, I just want to give a, uh, first I want to, before I go any further, we want to give a call for people that want to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We want to do that, and we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost to help you walk above sin. You need the fire of God. So right now, if you're not, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you want to rededicate your life, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says for whosoever, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you want to accept Jesus in your heart, say this and say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with power to live for you in Jesus' name. And right now I just pray, and if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, say this and say, Jesus. "'Baptize me in the Holy Ghost. "'Fill me with power to live for you.'" As Deborah stated earlier, "'If earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, "'how much more will he not give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him?' Right now, just begin to speak out that new language. Don't pray in English. Don't pray in Spanish. Don't pray in any other language that you know. If I faith you begin to speak out some new syllables and a new language will start coming at you, begin to feel the power of God. Just begin to speak it out right now. Book Jude 20 says, build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So it's very, very important, very, very crucial. You say I don't agree with that, well, I mean, you need the power of God. it's all about how serious you are and how much you want to walk with him amen
0: all right you know this, uh that's very uh important, and I just you know i wanna I know we only have about seventeen minutes. It seems like the night we have so much information tonight adam uh giving and and the Holy Spirit's taken us in directions and I just feel I want to give out the phone number anyway, even though we've got 17 minutes. Feel free to call if you need prayer for anything. Uh, The the area code is 668-2093. That is 646-668-2093. And call for anything that you need to call for. If you have a request, a comment, a question, feel free to call. And also, Adam, as you were sharing about, you know, if you're in ministry, you're laying hands on people or pastor. You pastor. Know, one of our pastors was talking about how uh, they had a guest uh, speaker over a guest pastor, but they didn't really, at the time, they made the mistake of not looking into their, their history and what they were all about. And all of a sudden, the congregation members, after this guest pastor had left, who had, by the way, laid hands on them, uh, sometime after he left, uh, these people were coming to him, and this one guy who had never had a problem with lust all of a sudden having these perverted thoughts and was wanting to do... I think they may have even gotten into pornography. And actually, it, it took this person out, I think. I don't know if they ever actually came back from it. They may have. And then this other person was... Um, uh, this. Actually, this lady, uh older lady. She had never had an impure thought in her life. It, you know, if she did, she cast it down. And she she was starting to have all these thoughts. So when we lay hands on people, yes, there's an impartation, but if you're, you know, if you're living a double life and you're living an act of sin, you know, you have a problem with it. Then it's your responsibility to not lay hands on anybody. You need to take it and don't let pride get in the way of that. And don't let the enemy lie to you saying, Oh, what will people think? Or yada, yada, yada. You need to just do what you need to do for the sake of their souls. Because you're accountable for them. So you need to just not lay hands on anybody until things are right. And if not and we're just we're just believing God with you, that that all things are are gonna be well. And okay, so the righteous man falls seven times, the Lord picks him back up seven times. So the righteous man fall, he picks him up. Okay. And there is now therefore no no condemnation but to those who are in christ jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so the enemy is the one that condemns there's a difference between con- condemnation and conviction a huge difference and when you when we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness And he he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west and on the bottom of the sea of forgetfulness. So if he has forgiven you, who are you not to forgive yourself? You don't have that luxury. You're not God. You can't condemn yourself. Because as I have said in other shows, God gave me a couple of sentences. When you are in self-condemnation... You come into agreement with the, en- with the enemy and his lies. Why not come into agreement with me, the truth? Who is the truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So basically, don't come into self-condemnation. You're coming into agreement with the devil. Come into agreement, God, who is the life, who is the truth the way and the life. stop beating yourself up the devil can do a good enough job do you really want to help him besides if you don't forgive yourself it says in the scripture you don't forgive others including yourself you won't be forgiven so and if you go back don't let the strong man come in because the the the, the evil spirit will go out and he'll wander looking for dry you know he wanders dry in desert places looking for rest seeking none and then he comes back and finds it finds it sweeped, swept swept and clean, but then he he goes and finds seven other seven other spirits, evil spirits more powerful than he is, and takes it back to them. And they, their condition is worse off than than what they began with. But we we love you, God loves you. You're not condemned. Walk in victory. God gave you the victory. He's helping you up, get up on your feet. And when when he gave me those words, I didn't feel his condemnation. I felt his broken heart and his love for you and your struggle.
1: Amen. And, you know, so the, the deal is, is like, it's just not something you can just choose to justify and live in anymore. You know, it is a journey, but you know what? There's no reason that you can't make some steps, you know, like I said, I've, I've dealt with this, but there was a time when I, you know, when it was my last time. So the point is, is that you walk free from this and, um, and you don't have to go back to this again, accountability. And I won't say this about like thoughts. You know, I remember, um, you know, a lot of people, they, they deal with thoughts and Hey, and I'm, with you, but, um, you know, Joyce Meyer said a really great thing. She said she was playing with thoughts and she just kept fighting and wrestling with these thoughts and God just spoke to her and says, well, why don't you just think about something else? Now that, now, now that a little too simple for you. And let me tell you what, that was a breakthrough for me. Because the Bible says to cast on every height and imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. But how do we do that? Well, we don't do it by just calling it the thoughts. We do it by whatever things are holy, just, faithful, pure, and true, we think on these things. You can literally choose to replace your thoughts. You can. Tr- God's not going to control your mind for you. You have to do that. So literally, when a thought comes into your head, you actually have the power to say no, I'm going to actually choose to think about something else. You can literally say, you can literally choose to think scripture, and like say, I'm not going to, I'm going to think scripture, and I'm not going to think, I'm not going to think anything else, period. And it, you know, and if you lock your mind onto a certain thought, no other thought can actually come in. So you can actually cancel out bad thoughts by thinking other thoughts, you know. And you have to rise up, you know. It's like we live in a world that is actually diametrically opposed designed to be opposed to us with all the images and things that surround us. And I remember I asked God one day, I was like, well, God, you know, why do I still struggle with sin as a Christian? And God spoke to me and says, well, the next time you see, you see sin coming your way, I want you to point at it and I want you to say that you're dead to it. The Bible says to reckon yourself dead to sin. So you, have, you can literally, with the authority in Christ, you can literally look at sin and say, no, I don't have to do this. I'm dead to this. You can rise up by the power of the Holy Ghost and say, no, with the Word of God, no, I'm dead to this. And I can think of times when I've been getting bombarded with images, and I would literally point at them and say, no, I'm dead to this. And it was like as if, it was just like the grace would come, and I didn't even want to look at it anymore. So why? Because your flesh wants it, but you have to take authority over your flesh by the Spirit of God. Amen? It's by His empowerment.
0: Right, and also, you know, the Spirit and the flesh are, are constantly, they're, I mean, they're telling totally enemies, you know, against each other and the spirit doesn't want to the flesh doesn't want to do what the the spirit knows is right and so they're constantly in battle and um so that's that's not uh it's just they're constantly constantly in battle and in um what you're talking about casting down every vain thought in 2 corinthians 10 um starting off with We'll just start off with verse 1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And the other thing that you were you were mentioning was I'm not exactly sure the verse I know I'm pretty sure it's in Philippians but I, I hadn't had to memorize it for Bible college and I was just actually quoting it to myself today earlier so it says finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So basically, think on happy thoughts. Because I was thinking about something that you know I was kind of bummed about, and God, God, you know that that scripture came up in my in my spirit to fight that. And so I just wanted to share
1: that amen and you know so it's absolutely crucial and you just want to you want to emphasize you know the bible says if you sing you have an advocate with the father so it's not you know it's not like it's so man you know it's like i just send some i'm going hell no if you sing you have an advocate with the father but you know, you do have to overcome it. You know, when you when you're in Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Your spirit man is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When God comes and deals with you, and get, He's really telling you by the Spirit, you have to still rise up and overcome your flesh. God doesn't overcome your flesh for you. You overcome your flesh by the power by the power of God. That's why we're overcomers. I mean, it's like He has overcome the world, so we're, we have to overcome the world. It's not we just sit around and uh, do our best and. You know, God's good with whatever we do, and one day we'll go there because of grace. No, he's given us the power to overcome. You know, this wimpy Christianity, oh, I'm I'm struggling in the world, you know, that has nothing to do with real Christianity. By the Spirit of God, you can rise up and you can overcome this or any other thing that you're battling with. You know, um, there's a great revival coming, you know, and there's a great glory that's going to be coming to the church. And these, these people, the people that choose to prepare themselves now, will be we the ones that walk in it. But also coming with this glory, there's going to be people that, we're gonna see, that are going to see, they're going to wind up like dropping dead in the church. There's people to say, oh, God, send your glory. But if God sent his glory, a lot of people would probably drop dead right now. Why? Because Ananias and Sapphira did in Acts chapter 5. They thought they could walk into a, a glorious, Holy Ghost-filled service and blatantly lie about their offering and think everything's going to be okay, and they drop dead. So that, you know, we need to be careful. It's like, oh, God, I want to be close to you. Okay, well, you understand, if you're going to draw close to God, God's going to start working a purifying work in you so he can be close to you. know. you know, um, I asked God one day, I was like, well, God, you know, if, if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then why do I have to walk at this place of like, you know, extreme of like holiness and reverent fear of you in order to like be close to you? And God's answer to me was because if I begin to reveal my secrets to you and I begin to reveal the things of heaven to you and then and then you, you start walking in sin and you start disobeying me, then there's going to be a greater judgment that's coming on that comes on your life and to the point where even if you walk away, that there's no return for you. So God out of his so understand if you want to be close to God, there is holiness that has to come with it. Amen.
0: Right, because we are held accountable for what we know and what what God entrusts us to you, what what he what he teaches us and what great men and women that God impart to us, we are responsible for that. And so Sometimes because a lot of stuff that you're imparting we get taken we get, we get meat. Take the laymen on every service that we go to, and every class that we took in Bible college. So we're we're held accountable for that, and what we do with it. And um, you know, so with that is is uh, I just wanted. to, I know we have like about four minutes, but you know, you can never know. I mean, I guess I could give the number, but might have to just do like a really quick one. And and, and but it's six four six. Six six eight two zero nine three, and uh, um, Adam and I were speaking about a, an event in Washington D.C. that we think is going to really well. In fact, we know is going to that we really know is going to is going to be an awesome event. And I'm going to play this commercial for you real quick. It's only like not. It's like 29 seconds, so we we still still have time for that. We're going to come back and give you some more announcements. But hey. You are loved, you are valuable, you are precious So stop beating yourself up and hold on for the commercial.
1: My name is Rodney Howard Brown, and I'm inviting you to come to Celebrate America, held at the Daughters of the American Revolution Constitution Hall for the first three weeks in July. Celebrate America is going to be a spiritual invasion of a Jesus kind. Your nation is counting on you. The only hope for America is another great spiritual awakening. Celebrate America is July the 1st through the 19th. Nightly meeting at 7 p.m. and then mass evangelism in the mornings on the streets. Enlist today for free at CelebrateAmericaDC.com. CelebrateAmericaDC.com.
0: And there we have it, so celebrateamericadc.com. You can go register there. You can make plans to go to Washington, and that starts July 1st through the 19th. And uh, there is, um, Adam's going to get me a ticket from off of the counter over there so I can read it to you of when the times are. (laughs) I'm like pointing to him. He's like, what, what? we got like two minutes, okay. All right, it's Daughters of Revolution, Constitutional Hall, 1776D Street, Northwest, Washington, D.C. July 1st through 5th, 2014, that's Tuesday through Saturday. July 8th through 12th, Tuesday through Saturday. And July 16th through 19th, Wednesday through Saturday, 7 p.m. nightly. So you can pre-register for that at celebrateamericadc.com or you can call 813-971-9999 extension, extension 221. And if you have any prayer requests, comments, questions, testimonies, email radio the number two dot TK. So it's Fire Talk Radio, the number two and also Bible College, RBI, or School of Government, or School River School of Worship is starting up in, in August. So if you want to make plans to be here at thirty seven, thirty eight River International Drive, Tampa, Florida, we've got like less than thirty seconds, and all of those announcements. And I can you think of any others?
1: The only thing we're going to say is regarding that America event, you say what what's that to do with the fire of god? It's everything to do with the fire of god because only the fire of god is going to change America. We're beyond the point where a political party, a new a new president, any, a new congress, anything like that. We're beyond that point. We have to have the fire of god coming in, changing America, and that's what this event is. It's not just a bunch of meetings. We're actually going in directly into the heart of Washington, D.C., with the power and the fire of God, telling people about Jesus, winning souls to Jesus, telling people about the love of Jesus, and bringing the fire of God to change the nation.
0: Right, and we got like 15 seconds left, so, and, and, you know, Jesus is a baptizer and the Holy Ghost is fire. Fire, fire right now. A fire God, a fire God right now. In the name of Jesus, a fire God. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Until next time.